Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc., Hello and welcome to Made by Mummers the podcast. I'm Zoe and I'm Georgia and we're here talking all things parenthood. You know, the real conversations, tips and tricks, products we love and brands we can't live without. Let's get into it. I have discovered <laughs> something that I love on a par now with my children. Um, oh, house wow. of macadamia. Dipped macadamias in chocolate. Oh my god, they delicious. Oh, delightful. When they when they touch your lips and get inside your gob they are dreamy although i'm just gonna i'm gonna throw it out there because obviously you'll always get honest reviews from us i think you get about seven and they're three pounds seventy no rip off well, that's, hold on. As ba- that's as bad as my chopped tomatoes hold on yeah i was about to say we go back to your tin tomatoes episode. you probably get about 20 tin tomatoes for two pound 14 you're getting six or seven nuts for three quid so you know, if we, if Martin Lewis was here, he would probably go for the chopped tomatoes. Oh no, you finally rubbed off on me after all these years. Who am He'd I? He probably disown both of us, to be honest, and tell us we're ridiculous and we need to sort our lives out. But you know, I, I am. I'll be buying them. You know, I will. So, and until he appears and tells us that, I will carry on eating them. Now, Georgia, how are you? Because you've had a shitty couple of days. Yeah, I have. It's not been nice. Um, it ha- yeah, it's never nice when you know things in your family happen. And, and I don't know. It's yeah, it, it hasn't been very nice. But we did have Axel's birthday, and I think that has been a great distraction. And also, it's meant that my whole family got together at the weekend, and we were all there for each other, and it was all really lovely. Actually, mm. um, we hired a bouncy slide, nine foot bouncy slide, and a bouncy castle. And there are only two children in my family. Um, but it was it was really it was great actually, and. Um, yeah do you know it's just good sometimes to take a step back and just spend time with the kids and spend time Mm. with the family and Mm. um, yeah we had a good weekend but I do feel quite um, I don't know weird we like I've got a six-year-old you're gonna have a six-year-old soon I know it's crazy Um, isn't it it is I mean it's it's mad to think that you know this time six years ago you had literally just given birth to Axel you were about Mm. to text me yeah. Um, you know, we're only a couple of months away from the, know. you know, the real love affair in life, the, the well, Georgia exactly. and Zoe love affair beginning. Yeah. I know it's crazy, but it feels in many ways, and it's such a cliche, but it, I, like blink and we've missed it. I know we've I done know. loads in our lives and obviously had another child and everything else in the podcast, but it really does feel like it's flown by. Like this time in another six years, we'll have 12 year olds. Oh my God, don't. No, I know. That actually really scares me. Yeah. In fact, I will walk to the high street with Axel and Gigi today and Axel was going to me, when I'm 19... Gigi will be this age and when I'm 21 Gigi's gonna be 18 and I was like okay can you actually stop and then Gigi went 
mummy's gonna cry again (laughs) (laughs) mummy cries a lot even even the kids are like what is up with mummy at the moment (laughs) Isla asked me the other day she was like when was the first time you went dancing and I said what do you mean do you mean clubbing and she went yeah we're clubbing to you know to a disco and I was like I was probably about 15 and she went well how old do you have to be to go to 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 a club and I said oh you have to be 18 she went well how did you get in I was like oh I've got myself a fake ID and she was like oh fake ID how'd you get one of those and I was like hold hold on I'm sorry (laughs) you're nine like I'm sorry I'm not talking to you don't promote fake IDs and she was like well what do you do like do you get someone else's driving license you stick a sticker across it and I was like look can you just come back to me in a few years time we'll have this chat right oh my god I I I doctored my passport are we gonna go to prison for this by the way is this we're not gonna get in trouble for this well do you know what the police (laughs) did actually know and they phoned my and they phoned my house right I think I was about 15 I reckon and I I scanned my passport in changed it on paint probably and then laminated it again and then gone in and then the bouncer ripped it off like obviously the top layer off I ran away and then the police phoned my house the next day so maybe I'll sit down with Viola and be like listen it's not big it's not clever if you're gonna do it don't use a passport I remember going I remember tapping in like it must have been just at the time that I got because how would we have got them? Because it was, I was about to say the internet wasn't around. The internet was around then. And I remember using yeah. my dad's computer and I remember vividly tapping in fake IDs. And then oh, yeah. it, it was so exciting and it came mm-hmm. in the post. It was like a fake university that I was supposed to be like attending. And I remember thinking. Did you have to go if- and do a Western Union transfer? A Western Union transfer. <laughs> yes. Yes. I yes. had to do that as well. <laughs> Oh, good old times, eh? <laughs> oh, good. I feel like now they'll probably have like fingerprints and like facial recognition and they won't be able to get away with it. Mm. But when there's a will, there's a way. Well, exactly. That's what I was going to say. Any child of ours, Georgia, will keep on pushing until they get they into a nightclub. They will work it out. They'll work it out. Yeah. So, I mean, that was quite an interesting chat. But I feel like I'm getting all sorts of conversations that are coming up at home at the moment. And I don't know whether it's the fact that the kids are, you know, in, in the UK, they're, they're off. I know that Scotland are going back this week. Um, but it seems like they've been around for a really long time. So the questions are coming mm. thick and fast about life, left, right and centre. And I think, you know, I don't know whether, again, kind of emotions are heightened because they're always around. They've, there's mm. been a lot of crying, you know, a lot of good times, but the tantrums I've noticed between Kit and Luna and the fighting and Isla being upset about certain things. Yeah, it's been an intense summer. Yeah, I'd say the same. Axel has been pretty chilled this mm. summer, but Gigi's like on just some other level. And I think he probably just thinks, well, like I can't tantrum as well because then everyone's going to melt down. He's got to keep his shit together. Yeah, he's keeping his shit together um, just about. But yeah, I know what you mean about the questions. Yeah. And mate, yeah, you're right. Maybe it is because they're usually so distracted and they're at school and then they're coming home and they're doing homework and they're doing their clubs and suddenly in the summer it all stops Mm. and so their whole routine and I guess all the I mean I'm useless in the summer holidays I just do anything for an easy life I think I'm just not putting up any boundaries (laughs) basically all rules have gone out the window and the behavior is reflecting that yeah I I I think that's fine sometimes in the summer I think you know there there are certain things you do during the summer holidays time that you and the other holidays that you wouldn't necessarily do during term time I think I I've definitely been more emotional of late and Luna especially she's such an emotional being um, you know, this whole conversation that we're having today, you know, one of the things that really stood out for me was, is it ever okay to cry in front of your children? Now, for me, 
absolutely it is. And, you know, one of the things that we talked to today's guest about, George, was, um, if you remember, was at what point do you do you think, oh, God, no, I need to stop howling now because you know, this child is only five years old and you don't want them to come away feeling, oh, God, is, you know, is mummy actually OK? It's OK for them to see that you're not always laughing. Mm, oh my gosh, of course. Yeah, I know, I, I, absolutely. But it is difficult when, like, how much to tell them, I guess. Because mm. you don't want them, we've, we've had this conversation before, but you don't want them to feel like the weight of the world and all of the pressures that we have as adults. Mm-hmm. But you equally want them to understand that there are pressures and mm. you're not always going to be happy mm. um and it is it was a really interesting discussion that we had with our, with our guest about this yeah. and i don't know if there's ever a right or wrong i mean i i grew up in a household where we we had so much fun and laughter it was it was a thousand miles an hour with like silly games and playing in the garden and in inverted commas perfect family setup but in reality I don't think I ever saw my mum cry. I don't think I ever saw my dad until, you know, this monumental moment happened in the family where there was a a big crisis. And then suddenly it was like all of the the wooden pieces were pulled out of the Jenga. But it it left me feeling like I wasn't really sure if I was allowed to or when I did, it was so catastrophic, you know. So I think getting that balance right is so important. But yet again, Mm. how do we know if we are getting the balance right? Yeah, exactly. And also, I guess... I mean, I can't. I can't remember my parents like crying or anything when I like when I was younger. It must no. have happened, but I can't. I can't remember it. But then I think sometimes if you're sort of let in on like little parts of things going on in in life, are you better prepared for when those big things happen? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. And are you not so scared of those things happening? We got the answers. I mean, I haven't. <laughs> no, me neither. But that's why we've got today's guest on the podcast. Uh, she is a fountain of knowledge. And it was a really, really amazing conversation that Georgia and I had with her. So I think we should just get into it. And I, and I know because we've done the chat already, that actually um, it was one of those conversations where I was desperately thinking, please remember all of this information, or at least I'm going to go back (laughs) and listen to it time and time and time again, because this woman spoke so much sense when it came to emotions and our children. So Georgia, who are we talking to today? We are chatting to Dr. Becky Kennedy. So I have a very deep uh, suspicion that today's conversation is going to be one of my favourites because as you guys know, uh, you know how much I love talking about uh, the psychology around parenting and all of our big feelings that come up. And today we're talking to pretty much an expert, one of, one of, I'd say right at the top in her field when it comes to parenting and understanding kids as well. Uh, founder and CEO of Good Inside. She has her own podcast. She has a PhD from Columbia. She's a mother of three. Uh, please welcome Dr. Becky to the podcast. Yay. Welcome. Yay! Thank you, Zoe. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. Now, just to put it into context, where are you right now? Because you're not in the UK, are you? No, I'm in New York City. How's New York? It's great. Is it hot? It is hot, yes. But but it's a little rainy today, but it has been nice and warm. So Dr. Becky, before we get into the majority of the chat, um, for those people that are listening, could you just tell us a little bit about yourself, um, about your history and kind of what Good Inside is? So my name is Dr. Becky Kennedy. I'm a clinical psychologist and I specialize in all things parenting, relationships in general, and resilience. And really, I just love thinking about parents and kids and the systems that they kind of create together and the kind of approaches to dealing with the problems we have with our kids that actually 
feel good to us and our kids and build lifelong skills. So I came at this whole parenting thing really after years of working with adults in private practice and doing intensive psychotherapy with adults really made me think about there are so many patterns of why people become the way they do and all the work they have to do in adulthood to kind of rewire and feel centered and feel grounded and feel confident and good about themselves and learn coping skills. And then I just remember thinking after I had kids, well, what if I just took kind of all the knowledge I've gained from working with adults and reverse engineered it to parents so that we could wire our kids early on and they wouldn't have to be kind of doing all that hard work, you know, in their 30s and 40s and and 60s. Not to say that change isn't always possible. It is. But I think with my own kids that the greatest gift I can give them in their early years is wiring that actually supports really healthy adult functioning. And so everything I think about with kids and families from intervening in tantrums to sibling rivalry to sleep problems is both directed at how can I kind of solve this problem in my house, but how can I do it in a way that actually builds my child capability over time instead of kind of building problematic patterns for them. Oh, that's so right. interesting. That's that's super interesting. I, I I think, and I think a lot of people that message us or made by mamas, there is a an extreme pressure mm. to get mm. it right with our children. And there is potentially a lack of understanding um, about those moments where we are trying to get it right desperate to get it right. You know, the tantrum might be happening. There is a, you know, a rage building up inside us. There is a moment of screaming and shouting and yelling. And then there is this awful feeling that you're left with. We, you know, we call it the mum guilt, but, you know, name it, name it what you will. Um, and I think we expect quite a lot from our children and we expect way too much from ourselves as well. Yeah. Um, and is this something that you hear quite a lot? A hundred percent. And, you know, the thing I think that's really struck a chord Um, from the Instagram following the podcast and now honestly in our membership is I think Good Inside has really resonated with parents because I really think Mm. it's the first parenting approach Mm. that actually is directed to help the parent. Like, Mm. yes, obviously we help kids too. But I know for myself as a parent too, we give so much of ourselves. We're always looking out. What do you need? What do you need, right? How can I help in this way? What else can I take care of? And in a way, parenting advice Like, it's annoying. It's like one more thing that I have to do, like for someone else, you know? And I think the thing about Good Inside Mm. that's really different is I would say to any parent, like to you, Zoe, I'd say to you, like, this is going to help you even more than it's going to help your kid. And I feel so confident about the way our approach helps kids that that should tell a parent, wow, what do you mean this is going to help me even more? Well, I think we really help parents build sturdy boundaries, develop healthy sense of self, develop into sturdy leaders. That's what I always say that I think we help anxious, overwhelmed parents, which is all of us, right? Tap in to the sturdy leader inside them. And guess what? That not only will help your kids and help you actually be able to apply the strategies and scripts you learn, it's going to actually just help you outside of your parenting too feel like a more grounded, confident, person. And that's really what Good Inside is all about. Which is so lovely as well, because at Made by Mamas, we're all about the parents as well. We're kind of the forgotten people in all of this. It's obviously so wonderful being a parent, but how the hell do you know if you're getting it right or not? There's a real pressure in your kids looking at you to know all the answers when sometimes you really don't know what to do. Yes, exactly. I think that the parent, I mean, I think kind of the paradox in all this 
is the more we neglect our kind of non-parenting parts, the more we neglect our kind of non-caregiving parts, like the part of us that wants to go take a swim, the part of us that wants to have a dinner with friends, not with our kids, just with a friend, the part of us that wants to say, I need to sit in the couch and not get you water from the kitchen because I just need my body to be still. The more we neglect those parts, the harder it is to even show up as the parent we want to be because we're constantly depleted and resentful. And like, I don't know if you're listening, like raise your hand if you're a good parent when you're depleted and resentful. Like, I don't know who has their hands up. I I wouldn't, right? Um, We can show up as the parent we want to be when we really are taking care of ourselves and realize that being a parent is an important part of us and it's only a part of us. It isn't all of us. And that's so important. Dr. Becky, how how much of our childhood shapes the parents that we are today? So much. I mean, uh, you know, so much and not all of it, right? So here's, here's what I'll say. First of all, I think parenting in my mind is the most important and hardest job in the world. Like it is the most important and hardest job in the world. And I think it's also one of the only jobs that comes with no training, no manual and no support. Yes. Right. Like if you were going to go take a job, I don't know, in manufacturing and you went there and they were like, oh yeah, we don't really know how to train you, but like go do your job well. It's really important. I'm pretty sure we'd be like, well, I'm not going to take that job because I just don't have the support I would need (laughs) to do this job well. And if you showed up and they didn't train you, guess what? The only thing you would have to rely on is anything in the manufacturing field you learned before. So how does our childhood impact our parenting? Well, when we don't intervene, we parent the way we were parented, not because we want to. Again, very few people I know say, I want to be the exact type of parent to my kids as my parents were to me. You probably want to continue parts and shift in other parts. And yet without kind of support and without really kind of meaningful resources, it's not that we're weak or that anything's wrong with us. It's just that the only model we have is the one that was imprinted on us in our own childhood. And so you can want to do things different, but turning intention into action actually requires us to have resources, have support, and have kind of access to information and expert we trust to to change course. It really is hard to break those patterns we learn as children. There's all the great bits from our parents, of course, but all the negative bits that come down as well. And it's something that Zoe and I talk about a lot, isn't it, Zoe? It becomes quite confusing. I know for me, I have a very interesting relationship with my mum where she definitely gave me the drive to be the person I am today. There was so much positive about her, but there was also a lot of emphasis around um, aesthetics and being pretty and all of this language that she definitely tried to put on and I I found myself at the beginning kind of doing it to Luna and I was thinking this is not the type of parent that I want to be it's so much more than that but it took quite a long time for me to break away from that and really recognize it and and I think for everyone listening like your story Zoe that in a in an amazing way that's as good as it gets right I think a lot of us will do that we'll be like oh no I'm turning into my mother I don't want to be doing that (laughs) I think the best it gets is we catch ourselves Mm. we reflect Mm. We get grounded in our own values, which requires differentiation from our parents anyway. To be able to say, I don't want to do the same thing my parents did actually requires like something called psychological differentiation. We have to differentiate, wait, like my values might not be the same as my parents' values. That doesn't even mean I have to hate my parents. It just could mean I'm a different person. And you are able to do that. And that's that's huge, right? So that's the best it gets. And then 
hopefully, and I think we do this, you know, all the time as parents, that instead of saying to ourselves, oh, that's kind of amazing. I can recognize that I don't want to do the same thing. Okay, that's awesome that I took that step. Instead of doing that, we often blame ourselves like, oh, I messed up my kid or, oh, right. Oh, I already started this pattern. But the first in my mind is so much more true. Like we're all imperfect. We're all just kind of going through phases of catching ourselves doing something, coming back to our center, making a change from there. And like, I hope everyone listening to this mm-hmm. can even pause right now and just say, wow, you know, every parent does things that they don't want to do. It's actually probably a goal just to catch myself, take a deep breath and make a change from there. Like that's, that's pretty amazing. How do you feel about crying in front of your children, Dr. Becky? Is there a right or wrong answer to that? Yeah, so I think there's a nuance there, right? So a big thing I think about often is if I don't have a good answer to a question, it probably just means I'm asking the wrong question. And I think that's like insanely powerful in any area of life. So if we ask the question, like, is it good or bad to cry in front of my kids? Like, I don't like either answer. It's bad. Okay, well, what about the times <laughs> that I do cry? Am I just a horrible parent? Or, oh, it's good. Okay, then I guess I can cry and never think about it. Like usually the answers when we ask ourselves a black and white question like that is either I'm a horrible parent or I don't have to reflect. I think like, and probably the answers in between. Somewhere in the middle. It's yes. probably in the it's middle. Somewhere in the middle. And then I think we have to challenge ourselves instead of answering those questions, just come up with a different question. I think a really powerful question is when I cry in front of my kids, What are steps I can take to um, kind of moderate the impact on them? Now I'm like, oh, I can activate around that question. Ooh, I have power. Like if I'm asking myself a question that I feel awful about myself, if I answer, I'm always just like, I refuse to do that. I'm just going to change the question. There has to be a way Mm, to feel good about myself. So here's the thing. Nobody, obviously, everybody listening to this is like, it's probably not great to hysterically cry in front of my kids 24 hours a day. We know that, right? They're probably like, where's my parent? Are they okay? And the reason it's not great is because kids are always looking at parents assessing, like, am I safe? And do I have a sturdy leader through tough times? Yeah. And so I always think about a parent like a pilot. Right? Like if I heard my pilot crying the whole flight, I'd be like, yes, I don't know. (laughs) Right? But let's say my pilot cried or screamed, I would then want my pilot to do certain things to mitigate the impact on me, right? It's not so much that they screamed or cried, but if my pilot screamed or cried and never said anything and all the passengers were looking at each other, you know, we'd be like, what the fuck? (laughs) Holy shit balls, what's going on? Exactly, (laughs) but if a pilot came on and said, hey, I just want to let you know, I don't even know, <laughs> hey, I just want to let you know, I got a message up here that my daughter, I don't know, you know, fell down and broke her ankle, and I just got really emotional, and this isn't your fault, and I'm still going to be able to land in, you know, in London, just yeah. wanted to let you know what's yep. going on, then think about how the crying impacts you. And I think that brings us to a really big point. It's always the absence of information that's the most dysregulating for kids and for adults. Watching someone cry like inherently isn't good or bad. Watching someone around you get really upset and then not explain it to you, that's like, that's really terrifying, especially for a kid. Because when kids don't have information to explain situations, they tend to rely on self-blame because it's the only thing that can help them feel in control. So they go, okay, mommy's crying. I'm a bad kid. I must've done something. If only I was a better kid. 
right? Because then I would have a sturdy leader. And we don't want to wire our kids with self-blame. I think all of us as adults, we're trying to unwire that in ourselves. Whenever th- something goes wrong in our world, we yeah. try to, we tend yes. to self-blame. Like that's not such an adaptive strategy. So to me, the difference is let's say I'm crying, right? Not saying anything, even if my kid doesn't bring it up, is just not a great strategy because without information, my kid will blame themselves or get very confused, right? Like, actually, if I knew my pilot was crying that their daughter broke their ankle, I'd be like, ooh, I'm sorry for yeah. your daughter, but okay, no big deal. Cool. We're good, right? So I need the information. So what do I want to do if I cry in front of my kid? I want to talk to them, even proactively. Hey, you saw me crying earlier. And now this is one of my favorite lines. You saw me crying earlier. You were right to notice that. I was really upset. And then based on your kid's age and a million factors, you can share why, you can kind of not share exactly why, but you want to give them what I call a story to understand. Something that's going to make a kid go like this. Oh, that makes more sense. So it might be, I saw something in the news that was really upsetting, but so you know, you're safe, I'm safe, our family is safe, and I'm still your strong parent who can take care of you even when I cry. You should always know that. Now a kid's going to, just like us, they'd be like, that's amazing. That's amazing. And I think there's so many extensions of this. It's like when I cry, when I yell, when my partner and I fight, like, sure, all things being equal, would we rather those things not happen? Yes. And if you're like me, you're a human being and all of those things do happen. And so then we can think, what can I do after the fact to mitigate the impact and help my kid feel safe? And that's where we can have a really empowering perspective on parenting instead of a really anxiety producing, am I just messing up my kid perspective on parenting. We'll be right back after this short break. Small details are big surfaces, tight corners are odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Welcome back to this episode of Made by Mamas. Now, where were we? I I feel exactly the same as you on this. And I think it's really important to be able to share your tears because I I know, having seen it with a few friends and their parents who are growing up, you know, their their parents never had fights. Their parents never cried. You know, we see this sort of perfect Stepford wife situation. And for me, you cannot have laughter and joy, utter joy without pain and sadness. And so actually, sometimes if your child walks in on you and you are crying, sometimes that happens to me. Luna came in found me in the bathroom on Sunday and she was like are you sad and I was like I'm really sad and she was like I'm just gonna cuddle you until you stop crying and then we had this lovely cuddle and I stopped crying and I was like mommy's okay now don't you worry and then we got on with it and I thought uh, there was a part of me that felt and I'm sure people listening would have 
you know, experienced this as well. Was that wrong? Should I have let her into that intimate moment? Should I have pretended that I wasn't crying? Should I have wiped my tears away? But actually, I feel like she's going to see people crying and she's going to cry and she's going to have to be able to be okay in that space. And like I said, when we don't explain things to kids, they tend to self-blame. They also do one other thing. And this to me is like really heavy, but important to think about. They self-doubt because then they develop a circuit that says this, oh, I thought I noticed something, but maybe I was wrong. Maybe I overreacted. Maybe I don't notice things correctly in the world around me. That's terrifying, right? And we actually, I have the chills I think about this. I actually think through the way we don't talk to our kids honestly about what's happening around them. We actually like train kids to question their perceptions and tune things out. Because here, let's fast forward, your daughter's 16. This happened actually, like I remember a little while ago in a consultation where parents came into my office, they were really horrified. There was this really, really nasty peer pressure situation and like even worse than that, like almost verbally abusive at a school. Mm, And they were really, really horrified that their son was in the group and just like didn't, didn't do anything, didn't say anything, didn't report it to the, like nothing, right? Okay, so- there's a million factors there, okay? And I I don't I don't have all the information about how they parented their kid until that point. And I'm not even saying they could have changed that outcome entirely. But here's the sure, framework yeah. to think about. Your kid is four and they see you crying. You're like, no, 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 no big deal. No big deal. Like, I'm fine. No, 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 let's keep going. Okay, now your kid is six. They see, uh, I don't know, they see someone on the street who's homeless and they say something. And you're like, oh, stop, we don't talk about that. Okay, oh, and you were fighting with your partner. And they're in their room and they hear the screaming and you just don't talk to them about it. If you think about this, and it's not one or two events, it's over and over and over. If there's a pattern where a kid learns, huh, I thought I noticed something, but no one's talking to me about it and no one's confirming my perception. So I must really misperceive Mm, the world around me. Now your kid's 16 and they see something nasty. What is the circuit that activates in them? It's a circuit that says this. You are not a good perceiver of things. You are not a good feeler of your feelings. You tend to overreact and make a big deal over something that actually ends up just making other people upset. You think that kid is going to beat that circuit and then stand up for someone or tell, no, they're not, Mm. right? And of course, none of us want a 16-year-old who tunes out the world. And the truth is it's inconvenient to have a four-year-old who takes in the world. They ask a lot of questions. You have to explain a lot of things to them. But I think- <laughs> like, oh, yes. Right? But like, and it goes back to like my perspective on parenting in terms of parenting for the long run. Like I always think my kids are going to be out of my house for many, many, many more years than they're in my house. So either I'm setting them up to be functioning, successful adults, or I'm not. And maybe it takes a little bit more effort, but saying to a kid, you saw mommy crying yesterday. You were right to notice that. I think you probably heard from me. I'm going to say daddy because I have a husband. I think you heard me and daddy arguing yesterday. I know you were upstairs, but I know you weren't sleeping and I know we were pretty loud. And I just want to tell you when we argue, it's never your fault. And it is scary to hear us argue in those loud voices. And we're going to be working on managing our feelings. At least my kid, what they preserve is, wow, that thing I heard, I did really hear. I was right. And that to me is like the essence of confidence and making good, hard decisions as you get older and is so important and is why we have to talk to our kids about things when they're young. Yes. And there's such a fine line, isn't there? Finding the balance between empowering them with the information and making sure they feel a part of it, that everything they're thinking and feeling is heard, but also protecting them. It's something we discuss a lot when the news of the crisis in Ukraine was first coming out. Should the kids see it? Should we explain it? How do we do that? 
it's just a minefield of what's right and wrong. And I suppose you have to field that child to child, don't you? Yeah. And I think the thing I think about around those like big news events, and sometimes it's local news, sometimes it's global news. It's, mm-hmm. yeah. Okay. I, it doesn't help anyone to flood them with information, right? We're not trying to activate someone's threat system all the time. And like our kids live in a world that's full of information. And I always think like, I want to be the first one in with my kids about everything. Yes. Like yes. That's what I always think. Like if they're on a bus to school and they hear about missiles, Ukraine, and, and, and I'm not there, like that's scary. Or I don't want them to hear about what sex is from some random kid mm. five years older who who knows if it's useful. Or I definitely don't want them to learn about that for the first time from the internet. Like I, I don't think that's going to be good for them. So no. remember information actually not only empowers kids, it actually helps them feel safe because they can understand. And us as parents, we're probably some of the best deliverers, the best deliverers of information. And so when there's scary things, I would say, remind yourself, like information is part of my communication strategy, right? You noticed that story in the newspaper. I know you saw the word, I don't know, dead bodies, right? Whatever it was. I want to talk to you about what that means because I know you saw it. And the last thing I'd ever want is for you to see something upsetting and not have me to talk to about it. So let's talk about it. Then exactly what you say and how much detail you go into, there's no exact play-by-play there. But I often think of the guideline, especially when we get into something, when my kid asks a question, they're ready for an answer. Mm, And the worst thing for a kid is to feel alone and confused. That, that's actually the scariest thing for a kid. Do, do you have any tips or any hints on how to handle those situations where us as parents can feel that we are losing it? You know, when the questions are coming and they're not listening and you're on repeat and, you know, nobody's listening to you. No fucking, no fucking person around is listening to you. And you're like, I don't know what I'm going to do here, but I don't think it's going to be pretty. Are there any, are there any kind of real <laughs> solid pieces of advice? Because I think we're all experiencing a lot, especially coming out of lockdown. We're like that. Oh God. Yes. So first of all, every one of us has been there and we all will be there again. So let's just set a baseline that good parents feel triggered and on edge, right? like just across the board, whatever parent on Instagram you follow or person at daycare drop off that you think doesn't feel that way, they do. Okay, we all do. I do too. Then I I think actually it's really interesting to think about two buckets of strategies there. What do I do in the moment? What do I do in that moment before I explode? Okay, but the truth is that only has limited effectiveness because the better question is what do I do outside the moment to hopefully not get into that, you know, depleted, can be triggered by the next thing place as often as possible. We want to know strategies to manage those trigger moments, but we also want to know strategies just to get into that moment less often because that's how we just, we feel better. Our kids are going to do better anyway, but we will just feel better, right? So I think those are two different things. What do you do in the moment? Hopefully you recognize what's happening and you name what you need, right? Hey, I need a moment by myself in the bathroom. I know, yes, I'm going to make you dinner, whatever it is. I'm going to be back. I need those moments to calm my body. Now, if that's the first time you've ever said that to your kid, it you know might make a kid feel confused or they might, a parent might think like, you think my kid's going to just let me do that. But outside the moment, you can say to them, hey, you know what? There are moments when I need a few minutes by myself, not because you're a bad kid, not because I don't love you, because just like your body needs time to calm down, my body does too. So you might notice here or there, I might say something to you like, hey, this is one of those times I need a few minutes in the bathroom. Let's actually practice because let's pretend I said that to Mm, you. What can you do in those moments, right? You're like setting up a kid for success. So that's 
really, really important. Now, what else can we do to have fewer of those moments? Well, this is now the topic of like my favorite. Um, I don't know if it's my favorite. I feel like it's like picking a favorite child, but one of my favorites <laughs> um, workshops in membership that honestly was the most popular one called the Triggers Workshop is actually understanding our triggers from a different perspective, looking at them as a sign of, you know, early patterns that are no longer adaptive, looking them at a sign that we are not meeting our own needs as often as we need to. And there are so many things we can do, so many strategies that it would take up the whole podcast to share, but so many strategies that can help parents show up not so emptied. Because when you show up empty, you don't, you don't have much time to take care of yourself. You're going to react from a place of rage because you're depleted and probably resentful of, you know, the all the responsibilities you have. And what's so critical is to know there are so many things we can do so that we don't feel so triggered so often. I think it's so interesting. You've identified the emptiness that can be with you from the moment you wake up, even if you have an amazing setup at home, especially when you've got to give everything to your children and you've literally got no reserve left in the tank to handle it. It can be so difficult. That's exactly right. And I think, you know, me and you right now, Zoe, everyone listening, like if you picture a cup, right? And you picture every time you respond to mommy, 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 every time you make a piece of toast for your kid, every time you do anything for anybody, including other care tasks in your house, like cleaning or folding laundry, you're pouring out, right? Well, what do you, like, what do, you do when the rate at which you pour out is so much faster than the rate at which you replenish or pour in. And I think, you know, one of the things that really inspired me around, you know, writing my book and in creating this membership is so many women, especially, they look at me and they'll say, I don't even know how to pour into my cup. Like, what does that even mean? Mm, or like, yeah. oh, what do I want? Like, why do I have a panic attack when I even think about doing something for myself or wanting Yeah, something? what do I need? Exactly. Yeah. It's like, don't yeah. ask me that question. Ask me any question yeah. except for what I need. And I think so many of us, we were raised to be kind of, quote, good girls, which really just means uh, focusing more on what other people want of you than what you want for yourself. Kind of, I always think we learn to gaze out and almost never gaze in, right? And it doesn't last, you know, when we have kids because that rage and that those trigger moments that come out, it's really our body's way of saying this is not sustainable. You cannot fill yourself up by pouring yourself out. It's not a matter of getting a pedicure. Like you need the system to change. You need your system to change. It's actually bullshit. Yeah. It's actually bullshit. It's like, bullshit. I really, yes. the whole thing is bullshit. And we also feel guilty and we also are expected to do absolutely fucking everything. And we also allow ourselves to do, try and do absolutely everything. And then we're like, no, no, we've got to do it all. We've got to do it all. We've got to do it all until we just fall off. I yes. mean, it's like, how are we supposed to do it all? Until we fall off. And then usually after that, yeah. we're like, oh, what kind of parent yells? Then you blame yourself. Yeah. yeah. Right. I always think like my favorite thing to do is to help parents parents go from what's wrong with me to what resources do I need? And I think actually, if everyone listening right now thinks at a time they've yelled at their kid or they've just exploded, 
it's actually really powerful to notice which thought comes up first. Is it what's wrong with me? What kind of parent does this? I'm a horrible person, the self-blame. Or is it what resources and what support do I need? Yeah. Yes. And usually it's the first and not the second. And even accessing that second question, wait, I'm not saying my yelling at my kids is okay, but maybe my yelling in that way was a sign of all the resources and support I need that I don't have. Oh, well now that's a very, very different set of next steps. I would follow. Yeah, I completely agree with you. I'm desperate to get you back on because I think you're so you're, everything you were saying was really, really resonating with me. So thank you so much. Um, can we talk about the book quickly? When is it out? Yes. Where can we hear the podcast? Yes. So podcast is available right now. We've been you know out for let's say almost a year and a half. So the pod, my podcast is called Good Inside with Dr. Becky. Available wherever you get your podcasts. And my book, also easy to remember, is called Good Inside, A Guide to Becoming the Parent You Want to Be, is available wherever you get your books. The official release date, at least in the States, is September 13th. Um, yeah. It's available for pre-order. It's available you know, for immediate delivery as soon as it comes out. And really everything about Good Inside and our approach and the way that we really do give parents the resources they need to be the sturdy leaders of their home is accessible at goodinside.com. So there you can get to the book there. You can get to the podcast there. You can get to our Thursday email, which is just organized content and kind of a actionable strategy to use in your home that week. Uh, you can sign up on the site and that's also where you can find truly the thing, you know, I'm, I'm so, so proud of, which is this membership uh, platform, mm. which gives parents access to all of my deeper dive workshops and shorter content as well for those, ooh, I only have four minutes kind of moments, which is usually all the time. <laughs> yeah. And also access to not only me, but our good inside trained parenting coaches. Um, you know, it's a whole nother thing we didn't get into, but most kind of parenting advice out there follows a very like behavioral timeouts, yeah. reinforcements, sticker charts, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, you know, we, we really, really don't believe that's the way we believe there's a much better way, um, that again, wires kids for long-term resilience. Um, so you have access to me and those coaches and this like most amazing global community of parents where they're, you know, talking about their struggles and answering each other's questions. So all of that is that good inside. Thank you so much for joining us, Dr. Becky. It really was such a treat to speak to you and we can't wait to have you back on. Thank you. Talk soon. These are the chats that I'm so glad are recorded and stored for us to listen to yeah. whenever we want. Yeah. Yeah. I loved it so much. I, you know, she's obviously huge in the States, has got, you know, a really successful podcast herself. She's obviously got this platform where she's helping loads and loads of parents. But I feel like it was talking to somebody who really understood, you know, as a mother who's going mm. through it, you know, she just, she, yes, she was talking to, to, to us as a sort of fountain of knowledge, but also just a parent parent yeah. that is absolutely going through the same shit that we are and that's why I really you know yeah. both you and I know we had the conversation after we had the chat but that's why we really kind of connected to her and what she was saying I mean so many takeaways from that conversation um, the self-blame thing was very interesting to me because you know her whole point around if you don't explain to a child yeah. why you're upset they then think 
this must be my fault. It's their fault. And, mm. you know, and they don't at the at a young age have the kind of, well, vocabulary and, and I guess emotional life experience to be able to say, to communicate that. So you just keep it inside, inside as a child. And then suddenly you've got somebody that thinks, well, everything's my fault. I just blame myself for everything. Um, so I thought that was really interesting. And also that whole thing about, you know, when you're on an airplane, you, you're told to put the oxygen mask on first before helping others, aren't you? And it's the same with parenting, I guess. You've got to look after yourself in order to be a good parent. And I think we've kind of tried to explain that so many times on this podcast and she did that so well. Yeah. And I really hope that you know, anyone listening does actually think about that because it we, we do get left to the bottom of the pile so often and so often on this podcast we say we shouldn't and we really need to think about it but you know you've heard it from a proper expert now you really have got to look after yourself as a parent before you can be a good parent yeah and do not feel guilty about it you know go back to that pie chart thing where you look at all of the segments of your life you know what how much do you focus on your work how much do you focus on being a parent how much do you focus on self-love self-care your relationship your friends and actually really go through it because this is coming up time and time again there isn't there there is there's no way in hell that you will be a, be parenting to the best of your ability if you're coming to it with an empty tank so this is your lecture from me and Georgia to look after yourselves. Um, and, and thank you so much for listening to today's podcast. As always, we would love you to rate, review, subscribe and give the podcast a little follow. Yeah, and any feedback you've got, people you'd like to hear from, then please do drop us a DM on Instagram. We're on at Made by Mummers and we'll be back on Friday. Made by Mummers is an insanity podcast production and today's episode was produced by the lovely Charlotte Mason. Insanity Group. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.